0: Hey, you're listening to Can I Say That? with Brenna and Austin Blaine.
1: Hey guys, it's Brenna. This week on the show, I got to sit down with Joshua Harris, who is a writer, storytelling coach, and speaker. He owns Clear and Loud Marketing and Brand Strategy Company and lives in Vancouver, BC. But if you grew up as a Christian, especially in the 90s, early 2000s, you might know Joshua Harris because of the book he wrote called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. I remember being 12 years old and I walked into my bedroom and I saw this book sitting on my pillow. And I think my brother had read it before me when he was younger. And I remember looking at the book and knowing... That I knew people in my life who read this book and then they quit dating. And I was very determined that would not happen to me. And so I took the book and I marched downstairs and I gave it back to my parents. And I said, thanks, but no thanks. And honestly, I don't even know why. That's so out of character for me to be defiant about something. But anyways, I digress. I am really excited for you guys to hear today's interview because if you know anything about Joshua Harris or about the purity culture movement, even within Christianity, you know that so much has changed over the last 20 years. And like a lot of things in the evangelical circles here in America, there are some things that we as Christians really need to stop and reevaluate why do we view this a certain way or why do we hold certain standards and are these things even biblical? If you've kept up with Josh Harris or you don't even know who that is, you'll hear today he has a really interesting perspective on purity culture and just Christian culture as a whole because of his background and where he is now. So today might be a challenging listen for some of you and I would really encourage you to lean in. Write down some of the questions you have. Find someone who you trust to have a conversation with. Or even feel free to email or DM us here at Can I Say That? Hey Josh, how's it going?
0: It's going great. How are you?
1: I'm good. So today we're talking about purity culture. And a lot of our listeners, their first question was, you know, what actually is the definition of purity culture and what did it come out of? And is there any biblical basis for this belief that kind of, you know, exploded in the 90s?
0: Wow. That's a lot of, that's a lot of questions that you're listening <laughs> to. Oh, well, you know, I guess the first thing I would say is that um, people ask me about this because I wrote a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye um, some 20 years ago. That became a really important book in and in shaping that environment that is now referred to as purity culture. It wasn't called purity culture at the time, it was, but there was a huge emphasis on purity. So I'm asked about it because I've I've written, I wrote that book, and because I've re-evaluated and basically recanted um, my views in that book. But I don't necessarily consider myself an expert in terms of critiquing that, and there are a lot of, I think, um, more articulate, better voices, um, especially for coming from women, to be quite honest, um, who are talking about the effects of purity culture, um, kind of the, the problems with it, the negative impact of it, and so on. Um, so I, just, I guess I just would want to encourage people to uh, dig a little bit deeper and go beyond um, my thoughts and reflections on it. And then the other thing that I would say is that um, since I wrote that book and since I rethought, changed my mind about that book, I've also talked publicly about the fact that uh, you know my um, my views of faith are evolving, changing. Um, you know, I'm not in the church right now. I don't know exactly where I'm going to land with that in the days to come, but um, that's sort of like a full disclosure statement to say I'm not necessarily approaching this from a um, traditional evangelical Christian perspective now saying, well, here's here's where it's biblical, here's where it's not, here's what's you know bad or negative. I'm really coming from a quite different perspective, so I think that would want to, I'd want to inform people of that. the Let the listener beware is <laughs> what I'd want I'd want to say. But uh, the big big picture answer to the question is that purity culture was um, shaped by teaching and movements like true love weights that were based in different denominations it was shaped by a reaction to um, the sexual liberation free love movement of the 1960s where a lot of christians started making a big emphasis of sexual purity uh, saving sex for marriage modesty and those ideas then evolved into going even further, which my book was was a part of doing, in saying, well, if we want to avoid sexual, you know, sex before marriage, then we should be concerned about emotional attachments, and we should be concerned about the problems with dating, and all those types of things. And so the, the real issue, I think, is that it created a hyper focus on sexuality um, as kind of a key measurement of being right with God, it it made a big focus of the concept of purity, which is something you can lose, and virginity, and those types of ideas. And I think the the effect was people feeling that they couldn't measure up, people's views of sex being greatly shaped by this, people not dating, you know, all these types of ideas, which now many people are looking back. 15 20 years later and saying this these ideas and this focus and this emphasis really negatively shaped my views of sex it negatively affected my marriage um, how i approached things who i married what happened um, in our sex life after we got married all those those kinds of things and to be fair there are also many people who would look back and say um I'm glad I did what I did. I'm grateful that I saved sex for marriage, and purity culture was was positive for me. So there's there's really a, a lot of debate and and conversation that's that's taken place around this. Um, and then I think another piece of this is that um, in the 20 years since this took place, there's been a massive evolution in the way people think about uh, the LGBTQ community, and that. You know, that community, I think, was uniquely harmed by purity culture in different ways. So that's kind of a synopsis.
1: What was like the the catalyst or the the motivation behind you writing I Kissed Dating Goodbye? Like, why did you want to write about this subject passionately as you did?
0: Well, I think I was trying to make peace with the strong teaching that I was getting from the True Love Weights movement something that was being taught in our youth group about saving sex for marriage but then i was seeing so many of my friends not save sex for marriage i was in a relationship where my girlfriend and i were going further and further physically and i felt guilt around that and then when we broke up i felt guilt around how i'd hurt her my parents were you know encouraging me to read elizabeth elliot's passion and purity and so I was kind of like hearing all these different ideas and then dealing with a secular world that was obviously encouraging, you know, sexual activity and, and all of that. And so I Kissed Dating Goodbye was sort of my um, trying to make sense of it all and raise a high standard for myself and please the Lord and honor him. And, you know, seeing the, the heartbreak that I saw among my friends, my um kind of youthful zeal was expressed by saying, well, if we really want to honor God, if if saving sex for marriage is this important, you know, if it's this damaging to have sex before marriage and give your heart away and so on, then we need to be even more radical and Ike stating goodbye was the was the rallying cry.
1: What was it like to gain, you know, such a huge following at such a young age surrounding this topic of purity?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think it was uh, it was overwhelming. I think it was uh, exciting. I thought that I was doing what God wanted me to do. I thought it was a sign that you know the message was from God and. Um, I heard from so many people who, you know, were so frustrated by dating, who'd been hurt in relationships, and were taking my message and being like, "Oh, I'm so glad I'm not the only one. This makes so much sense." And so I then moved to a church and started being trained in a church that had been practicing these kind of ideas since the, you know, late '70s. And so it was just reinforced. So all my ideas just reinforced and added fuel to that. And so it felt like. It was, you know, exciting and great, and I was, I was getting to be a leader and getting to be a voice for these things. Um, of course, I view that very differently now, but uh, when I was twenty-one, twenty-two, it was, um, it was exciting.
1: Was it difficult to live out, you know, this message that you're preaching of purity while you're continuing to get all this attention from this book as a as a young man?
0: <laughs> um, no, I don't think it was. Um, it was difficult. I mean, I was fairly, I was fairly uh, shielded. Um, you know, I was traveling and doing conferences and so on, but I ended up getting into a relationship with my um, my future wife uh, at that time. And so, you know, I was in a local church and I was courting this girl and all of that was taking place. And so um, I, you know, I didn't have any problem kind of sticking to the the standards that I was loading loading on other people.
1: So as you've already said, you know, your your ideas around purity culture have shifted a lot, especially, you know, maybe with your shift in faith. What was the moment for you that you started to doubt, you know, this purity culture movement or doubt the ideas that you wrote about in your book?
0: Well, it was an unfolding process. I Started to hear negative feedback. I mean, I, I got negative feedback on the book um, immediately, but it was, there was such an overwhelming response, positive and negative, that ugh, instead of really carefully listening to that and contemplating it, I just kind of chalked it up to, well, of course, you know, there are going to be haters out there, you know, and there are good reviews on Amazon and there are negative reviews, and, you know, these people just aren't serious about God, et, et cetera. And then what happened was, you know, I got married and moved into pastoring and starting a family and so on. And I didn't experience firsthand the, um, environment that my book, you know, fostered and created. So I wasn't single experiencing that, you know, experiencing like the extra levels of weirdness and awkwardness that were created by not dating and, you know, all those types of things. And so, um, you know, I, uh, to my shame, I didn't, I didn't listen to that critique, uh, you know, as quickly as I should have. And it took my church going through a big crisis and beginning to see um, tendencies of legalism and ways people were hurt by that for me to start saying, you know, wait a second, you know, my, did my book contribute to this, you know, to these kinds of legalistic problems and so on. And so um, it really wasn't until I stepped away from being a pastor to take a, a extended sabbatical and go to um, gra- a graduate school of theology, go to a seminary in Vancouver, BC, in Canada. That I had the kind of breathing room um, to start listening to different voices, and I was a student, and I was talking to fellow students, and they started to share stories with me about my how my book had hurt them, and these were just things that I hadn't really, um, you know, I'd always been the pastor that needed to kind of defend the positions and that type of thing, and. So that was really the beginning of listening, and as I started to listen, I started interacting with people online, and there were many people who had been critiquing stating by and purity culture online, um, and I just had not engaged with them. And as I started to engage with them, you know, I I was encountering real human beings with real stories, and I began to, I, you know, I decided to, to kind of engage in this lengthy process of reevaluating the book because I didn't want to be about it. I didn't want to give just a quick answer, but it was that process which involved, you know, a team of people, we decided to film a documentary to capture it, we invited people to share their stories, you know, it was like hundreds and hundreds of, of interactions, and the consistency of experience across the country from different, you know, different ages of people, um, the, the depth of pain that people experienced. From um, the effect of these ideas, the long-term consequences of them because they affected who they married and how they viewed relationships and sex, um, was really so powerful and so um, heartbreaking in some cases. And again, I would just say diverse. They're different stories. Some people are super positive about these ideas. And I mean, I, I don't view it the same way as they do, but I, I want to honor their perspective. And it was that process that really made me say, there's something really, I think, wrong with the way that this book was communicated. The content of the book, the idea of the book, and um, I didn't know where that process would end. But it ended with me asking my publisher to discontinue the book and unpublish the book, and apologizing for it to people, which you know is, is too little, too late, and doesn't doesn't fix anything. But it was it was a an attempt to say I hear you, I see that I was wrong, and I don't I don't want to stand behind these ideas anymore.
1: Do you feel like you got some freedom in doing in that process of, you know, doing the documentary and walking through all that with all these people? Do you feel like was it something you moved from being scared and nervous about or or was it always this process that you're pretty eager to to walk into?
0: No, I think I definitely felt so much more free afterwards. I think I'd been terrified to open up. That door of reevaluation, because I didn't know where it would lead. You know, it had been such a big part of my identity. You know, like I was a best-selling author because of Ika stating a Bye. I was this person who, um, you know, had these these ideas that had helped all these people. And so to to then transform that perspective and say this thing that you thought was this great accomplishment, no, actually it hurt a lot of people. Um, you know, it had these negative ramifications and you know to let go of that was really uh, hard for me but it was also liberating to be able to say I don't have to keep defending this I can admit that I was wrong yeah I I I'm so grateful that I I was able to do that but along the way it was a it was a painful scary process
1: I'm really curious I mean I want to move away from purity culture now because I just think you have such a unique perspective about the church Christian culture. So I'm just wondering, you know, what are your thoughts on Christian culture overall? And like, if you could change a few things about Christian culture or the church, you know, what would those things be and why?
0: Oh, that's a tricky, that's a tricky question, Brenna. Why don't you go first? What would you change about Christian culture? I want to hear what you would say.
1: (laughs) Oh gosh. I, I would want people to be less defensive and I would want I want the church to be able to have more conversations without having to feel like they have to defend everything. I feel like the church isn't always the best at listening, and because of that, it deeply affects people who not only are not Christians, but people who are also on the fringe of Christianity, who are, you know, maybe curious about who this person of Jesus is, but yeah. There's something in their way and and the church isn't able to get around that roadblock.
0: That's really well said. I, I think that's really good. I think that's a good insight. I um I agree with with that. I think you know it's difficult because obviously I'm at a place where I have stepped away from the church. I'm trying not to define myself as a this or a that, you know, now um, and box myself in. I want to be open to you know, new expressions of belief and faith and, and so on. But right now, you know, that's kind of just not, not where I am. So answering that question about what you change about the church, when you're like doubting and questioning key, like beliefs is such a tricky thing, you know? So, I mean, I, I kind of, I do think that obviously the way Christians live is shaped by their beliefs. Sometimes I think they're, culture and the way that they live is in contradiction to christian belief so that's like a different question it's like you know live like jesus and everything will be better that kind of thing but then i also want to acknowledge that sometimes i have you know questions and and real concerns about the teachings of the bible and the things that are i think very clear in scripture being a part of the problem (laughs) you know in terms of shaping the shaping the culture that's negative so it's like it's like, a, there's like a, it, the easy answer is, you know, you're just not living like Jesus, you know, you're, you're the, you're being like the Pharisees. So if you just stop doing that, everything will be fine. The harder answer, which I think is, uh, you know, much more problematic uh, for the church is maybe some of the actual beliefs that are, you know, rooted in, in um, orthodoxy and church history are the problem, you know, so that's a, are kind of two levels to the conversation, but what I would say is just that one of my biggest concerns for any um, faith community, but especially Christianity, because that's what I've been raised in and have believed for so many years, is that when you start to uh, be controlling and manipulative to people, to to force them to live in a certain way, um, I think it's extremely damaging. I don't think that it helps them to be um healthy disciples <laughs> number 1 so it's like what you produce by by getting people to stay and be controlled isn't healthy um but then it also just i think causes a lot of of harm to people and i think it it keeps people from wanting to explore you know there being truth and reality underneath the the practices and the and the culture because it's just so off-putting. And so I, you know, I don't, I, you know, I've wrestled with that. I, 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 came from a church where, you know, we preached grace, we preached the centrality of the gospel and, and so on. But the culture that we had was built on certain practices, uh, performance, you know, not dating, homeschooling your kids, whatever, it, add to the, add to the list um, and more and more practices and more and more kind of opinions became essential and central to the gospel, you know? So for example, our very conservative viewpoints of women, women could not be pastors, you know, ideally they would just be, you know, um, mothers at home, wives at home, kind of a thing, you know, all those kinds of things became this, Expression of well, if you if you're not faithful to gender roles, then you're not faithful to you know God's relationship, Christ's relationship to the church, which is central to the gospel. So if you stray on you know women being pastors, you're deviating from the gospel. You know, so it's like every you know these other secondary issues got lumped into the center, and there became more and more things that you had to believe and practice rightly, and. Um, you know, I was a pastor in that, and I I contributed to that environment of control. Where, you know, if your kids aren't doing well, then you're not a good parent. If your wife is, you know, working and has a career, then you're less committed to, you know, the home and you know all those types of things. And so it's it's so subtle, but it's so powerful. And that environment creates people who are terrified of being rejected if they do things wrong, um, who you know really can have trauma from the way religion can function in those ways. And um, and so that really saddens me.
1: Is there any encouragement or advice that you have for people who are maybe in a similar boat to you who have you know decided, I don't know if Christianity is where I'm going to land, and they're kind of in this area of exploring, but they have this background of Christianity. What would you say to them?
0: Yeah, I would just say that there's no one way to do things. Um, you know, my, um, experience ended up being very public for, for personal reasons. I felt that I needed to do that because my, um, my Christian life had been so public and I, and, but I don't think other people have to be, uh, so public about what they do. I would just encourage you to, um, kind of process things yourself, listen to new voices. You know, there are probably, um, even just other Christians that you've never Listen to because they were dangerous or you weren't allowed to or whatever it might be. You know, our church was so controlling in the way that we kind of censored any book that wasn't, you know, even popular Christian books that we didn't think were as doctrinaire as they needed to be. They weren't allowed in the bookstore. We controlled everybody's kind of reading diet. We discouraged people from having their own, you know, Bible studies. They, we just listened to the pastors and take our teaching, you know, that kind of thing. And so I just would say step out Step away from that kind of spirit of control where other people are saying you can only think this and you can only read this and you can only engage these ideas and go easy on yourself. It's a hard process to um, rethink uh, questions, question things, and it's a, it's a, mind-blowing process, you know, it can be overwhelming. And so I just would be really gentle with yourself. And if you can find um, a conversation partner or people who you trust that you can uh, engage with on these things, I think that's fantastic. You know, what's so awesome about the internet is that there are uh, resources out there where you you can access podcasts and you can engage with other people who are all over the map in their process of taking apart their beliefs and and trying to piece them back together or not piecing them back together. And so just don't feel like you have to be rushed to figure it out. And don't, I would also say don't feel rushed to kind of find a new um, dogmatic stance. You know, I see a lot of people that go from, you know, being dogmatic with their evangelicalism to being dogmatic in their, in their atheism or, or whatever, you know, and I would just say really kind of be careful because you've, you've learned ways of thinking and relating to life and the truth that might not serve you. Um, even as you change your perspective, just like give yourself some space.
1: Before we end going back to purity culture, for those who are interested, what is your documentary called and where can people find it?
0: Yeah, the documentary was, um, Produced and directed by a really talented lady named Jessica Vander Weingard. She has made uh, the film available for free on YouTube uh, through her, um, her company, Doxology. So if you just Google I Survived I Kiss Dating Goodbye documentary or just search for that on YouTube, you'll, you'll find um, the full documentary that you can watch. Uh, it's also available on Amazon Prime, if you have Amazon Prime um you can watch it for free there as well so uh yeah i'd love to i'd love for people to watch it and engage with it and um when i filmed the documentary i i had not um kind of deconstructed you know in terms of my my faith um so it's really me coming from a christian perspective asking you know about the effect of the book and uh, talking to people and, and getting you know different perspectives. So it was a really it was a really important journey for me, and um, I, I hope people enjoy watching it. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you want to learn more about, can I say that? our guests on the show, or submit questions and participate in polls, please join us on Instagram at Can I Say That Show. We love interacting with our audience and hearing how this show has affected, changed, and challenged you in your own walk. So please join us.